Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, what the hell is Yahoo today and what the heck is it doing? That's what I want to know. And in a fabulous bit of serendipity, I've got two clever people who can answer everything you didn't know about what it's up to. And perhaps surprisingly for some, that could include me, but I can't confirm that. It's deeper and wider in the digital media and marketing supply chain than you might imagine. Yes, Yahoo Mail has circa 5 million Australians using the service, but we're about to find out about Yahoo's portfolio, which touches 18 million people here through immersive experiences like AR, VR, MR, mixed reality that is, and I bet you didn't know that Australians are the current biggest users of these technologies in the world. But Yahoo is also pushing to this idea of community gardens as opposed to walled gardens, and that sounds intriguing. And of course, there's Yahoo Search, digital publishing, a creative agency and demand and sell side platforms that dozens of local publishers are using. We'll get to the bottom of all that very shortly. Yahoo, we know, has been through many iterations. The latest is a $5 billion sale by its US telco parent Verizon to private equity firm Apollo Global Management. So with me today to get under the hood of one of the earliest internet platforms before even the dot-com boom is Paul Sigaloff, Vice President ANZ for Yahoo, and Rachel Page, GM Sales. Welcome to you both. I'm looking forward to this one because I'm going to learn something. Paul Sigaloff, let's start with you, and let's start with the opening line. What the hell is Yahoo in 2021, and what the heck is it doing? There's a lot going on in the business that few are really across, I suspect. What doesn't the market know as well as it should, Paul Sigaloff, and welcome. Good morning, Max. Great to be here. And yeah, look, it's a great question. There is a big ecosystem, as we call it. And at a very high level, we're all about connecting people to their passions through our content connections and commerce. But when you start to unpack it, there is obviously a mail product and we've got around one in six Australians that use that mail product. It's USPs. It's all about being clutter free. It's got great customization. And testament to that, if you go to the Play Store, you'll observe that it is the highest rated app for mail, which is great. We still play in search. Obviously, Google is incredibly dominant here in Australia, but we've got Yahoo Search and Yahoo OneSearch, which is all about a more protective search. But again, that's a really insightful part of our business that you know we garner lots of uh, rich insights from. We then have our traditional digital publishing business. And so you think about the likes of Yahoo News, finance, lifestyle, sport. And again, that's about connecting people to their passions. It's great to see that through our owned and operated content, we're getting great growth around 14% year over year. So in a world where people have got less time and more choice, they're coming to our products and services. And we also attract some exclusive and interesting network numbers. And then there's been a lot happening in the technology space. So When you think about the supply side and demand side platforms that we've had over the years has been an integration of five demand side and seven sell side platforms integrated into what we affectionately call the full stack. And that enables advertisers to really reach their target audience through an omni-channel lens. So that's about connected TV, digital out of home, audio, native, and of course, display. And then we do help a large range of uh, publishers through our SSP. So we've got over 20 local publishers that currently use our SSP and we've got access to 50 global publishers as well. So again, a really rich 
aggregated source of data. And it's great to see that through our, our DSP, we've got, you know, over 70 agencies locally that are signed up to be using that. So that's great. And then last, but no means least, you've got our Yahoo Creative Studio. And again, that's all about those rich, immersive and augmented reality formats. And Rachel touch on that a little bit later. But I think one of the key differentiators about, you know, our ecosystem is it's all about flexibility. And that's really at the heart of everything we do. So whether you're an advertiser and you want to access our data or their data, you want to access our inventory or, or other third party inventory or use our technology and, and using their technology. What we've done is we've enabled a really flexible ecosystem. So if they've got existing platforms or MarTech and they want to plug in and do all of that, that's very exciting. But um, I think for me, you talked about the Apollo acquisition and I think we were incredibly excited you know, about our future, our stars have aligned. It's pretty much a moment in time for us where, you know, we've got this amazing team. We've got, you know, a great asset base that I just kind of took you through. And we've got phenomenal business momentum. And when you package all of that together with a new C, Jim Lanzone, who just landed from Tinder, he joined uh, last September, you know, we've just got this incredible momentum. And so for us, it's about building this rich ecosystem that I've just talked about. And, you know, for us, that's very, very exciting for advertisers and for our consumers, as we can enable really strong business outcomes from that. So Paul, sometimes private equity firms can be toe colours. Is Apollo wanting to invest? Obviously wanted to grow up Yahoo. Is that the sense you're getting? 100%. Yes. I think, you know, Verizon was a phenomenal business partner huge huge business but the opportunity for us is whilst we you know integrated yahoo and aol back in those days we started to really accelerate our business and we needed investment and verizon were very focused on their telco business but actually that's when we realized that we needed a partner that really wanted to invest in that so there was a big journey that we embarked upon and apollo have come to bear and obviously we're still only weeks into the acquisition but already we can see lots of positive steps in terms of investment and really unlocking that full potential how different is yahoo now under apollo and even verizon versus what it was under say the the joint venture that once was with seven paul is it got a broader portfolio is it any different Yes, it's, it's absolutely different. It feels like a completely different business with, you know, different culture. But I think, you know, the products that I just um, walked you through, you know, remain similar, but it's a very fast paced business. And, and the investment and the acquisitions we've had have really meant that, you know, what we've done is consolidated, put our customers first, invested in the technology. And now we know we're reaping the rewards of that. So with the portfolio and that whole, that suite you talked about, how many people in this industry across, whether it be on brand side and marketing or in agencies, how many people know all that? How many know that you've got all that? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, we've always been believers that clever people make complicated things simple. And I might pass to Ray. I've got to we... work that one. That, that's a hard one. I've got to get a head around it. Say that again. <laughs> people like you, Mac, pick things up incredibly quickly. <laughs> um, so, uh, look, I think, you know, Rach is, is really well placed to answer that because we've just been rolling out our new fronts. And so, Rach, I might defer to you on that one. Yeah. Thanks, Siggy. Thanks for having us, Macca. Yeah, well, Yahoo is back, obviously, as is uh, the Yodel. So, there is lots of uh, excitement and energy in the market. And there's a lot of love for the brand, a lot of heritage with the brand. So we're having a lot of fun. As Siggy said, we're rolling out our new fronts at the moment for 2022. And believe it or not, we managed to package and, and articulate our, our story into a 25-minute video piece, which has been received really, really well in market. So I think, 
in terms of the market, they're all seeing that at the moment. We've had incredible turnout and feedback from the 2022 strategy. The key, I think, leanings for our, our clients and our partners are, are definitely all around data and the cookie-less world ahead. A lot of interest and intrigue in programmatic digital at home. E-com is a big one and, yeah, innovation and our immersive and personalization pieces. So I think the other thing is, Brands and clients are wanting to work more and more with businesses who are focused on on doing good and advertising for good, as we call it. So making sure that we all leave the leave the world in a better shape we found it. And therefore, those truly connected partnerships in terms of being able to deliver performance for clients and working with brands and, and partners that are doing good and then with people who are passionate about what we do. So at the moment, you know, in terms of answering your question, how many? I think indie agency market are pretty well across our product. In terms of getting it out there to clients and CMOs, I think we're doing a good job. I think we'll do a better job in 2022 as we start to engage a broader kind of client community uh, with what we're doing. We've got a lot of programs underway and the strategy for 2022 is definitely directed in uh, talking more directly with the CMOs and the clients out there. Great. And, and Paul, Rach mentioned about data. What is your position? Where is Yahoo sitting with this whole, you know, cookie-less world? You've got first party and third party and cookies and privacy coming through at us and all sorts of things happening. What's your position at the moment? What's your view on where it's going and what you're doing about that? Just a small question then, Macca. Um, I know. If you can answer that, I might actually retire. Yeah. Well, look, I'll try and keep it simple. But as one of the founding companies of the internet, you know, obviously Yahoo has intimate knowledge of the digital landscape. And we are uniquely positioned to understand our partners' needs when we do enter this kind of cookie-less world. And one of the reasons for that is that we can solve for these problems because we've got millions of global direct consumer relationships with first-party data. But I think before we go into how we're doing that, I think it's really important that we chunk it down and understand what we're solving for. So when you think about the old world and you visualize a pie chart, Identity was really fueled by 50% cookies and 50% of device IDs that really powered those targeting solutions. But now if you look at sort of current reality, it's more like 35% cookies and 35% device IDs. As we know, approximately 30% of all people are using cookie blockers. And so a lot of ad impressions are being delivered to unknown users in browsers like Safari. But I think when you start to look at the new world and you reconstruct that empty pie chart, it's how do you really piece together identity without cookies and device IDs? And knowing these changes were coming, Yahoo's built solutions ahead of time. And we do this through our multi-pronged approach to build a full identity picture. So what I'll do is quickly walk through that. But ultimately, if you think about your empty pie chart, 30% of that pie chart is going to be powered by our Connect ID solution. So Yahoo Connect ID solves when an ID is present. And our identity graph brings together significant amounts of opt-in compliant first party, second party and third party data. And that enables us to build those comprehensive profiles. Next up, you've got our next generation solutions, which makes up about 45% of that pie chart. And Yahoo Next Gen solves for when an ID is not available. So that's about having an advanced contextual targeting solution that goes beyond just content at scale. So what we do here is we leverage Yahoo's data, we have our machine learning, and then we look at all of the real-time signals that we have across our ecosystem. And that basically enables us to infer these audience characteristics in a privacy-preserving manner. We've then got 15% of that pie chart is around data partnerships. 
So really, that's around what are the first party data businesses that we work with that can really complement our existing data set in a really holistic way. So that could be things like Nielsen, Experience, Near as an example. And that's about, you know, things like closed loop attribution and all of those things. And then, you know, the remaining kind of 10% is really around new innovation, new partnerships, looking at enhanced attribution. So that's how we're approaching this problem and ultimately building back that that full identity graph in a really transparent way. Two curly questions for you. One is, what's your take on the broader debate on behavioral versus contextual, right? There's a lot of discussion about and what does contextual mean? Is it a back to the future sort of sense on how people used to target or do you think that's that's too old and there's some sort of variant of that? And the second bit is, what do you make of universal IDs, Paul Siegeloff? Okay, I'll go with the next gen. So our next gen solution really is the the evolution of that contextual. So that's where it is about context, but it's also about behavior. And, and that's how you can amalgamate all of that solution and, and bring that together. I mean, unified IDs are, you know, certainly an important part of that ecosystem. And, and we, you know, have one and we work with publishers. So going back to, you know, being flexible, I think it's understanding what where clients are on their respective journeys, what have they got, what don't they have, and how do we really come together to help them solve their business solutions? And that's that's our approach and our philosophy. So for next year, is there a different or a new way you're pulling this all together, or is it just a more advanced and developed version of what you've been doing? You've had, as, as Rach mentioned, you've been doing your new fronts. How does it all come together, Paul? Yeah, we're fully baked. So, you know, that's about us getting on the front foot really making sure that we've got those solutions and relevant case studies and lots of education sessions and how do we you know going back to that human and helpful really understand for what we're trying to solve as an industry and how do we educate customers on that journey so they can have kind of sustainable business growth off the back of these targeting solutions got it now let's get to some of the hot spots to both of you paul and or Rachel, whoever wants to take this but what are the hot spots at the moment where is the market showing most interest in your portfolio we mentioned ar vr and mr and you've been doing some really interesting work with the likes of optus officeworks and big w i think is that part of where the big interest from the market is going absolutely there is a lot of interest from a huge concept people are talking about the metaverse right now for us you know it's about creating those you know, 3D sort of immersive personalised experiences and sort of making it real for now. So in the future, yes, we'll be creating, you know, meta assets like we do TV assets and digital assets. But, you know, right now there's so many ways to activate these sort of immersive experiences and the personalisation. So from doing the big work and, and creating that whole new digital environment that we interact in, we're doing some great work in the UK with Fashion House, Charlie Cohen and, and Selfridges, where it's the full experience. But, you know, locally we're, we're solving brand challenges as well. So you mentioned Optus. They make a huge investment when they sponsor the stadium in WA. So how do we help them leverage that and bring that back to life in a, in a personalised way in the stadium? And that's all with immersive. So if we think about the Waffle Grand Final a few weeks back, Yahoo Creative Studios personalised or created a, an experience whereby the, the attendees at the stadium could actually personalise an avatar of their, their favourite sort of player and so and bring mm. that experience in and share it. So the results were outstanding. I mean, I think there were about 30,000 people at the, at the game, but 20% of, of attendees actually interacted with the experience on their mobile just using a, you know, a QR code and a, a quick selfie. So they could then share that experience outside the stadium to create sort of, you know, FOMO and extended uh, reach. 
and then also create the experience in the stadium with their, their friends and family, you know, as a group. So we had about 18,000 interactions, 7,000 avatars were created. You know, they spent about five minutes in it and it was, you know, amazing engagement based on, you know, 30,000 people at the stadium. So that's kind of like leveraging, you know, a big sponsorship and making it a bit personalised. But, you know, e-com's gone mad, as we all know. So think about Big W and, and Officeworks we spoke about. So we're really using bespoke, you know, experiences and technology to actually deliver results. So again, Yahoo Creative Studio created a, you know, bespoke augmented reality ad unit on our immersive platform for Big W. So it sort of solved that problem of how do you work out if that large inflatable toy is going to fit into your space? And so, you know, this, this immersive experience is actually through 3D online, you know, bought this block toy into your yard or whatever through your mobile. You could look at it from all angles and work out, did it fit in your space, then click to buy. So right through to, um, you know, purchase or or traffic. So, um, you know, as a result, Big W saw a 48% increase in in their store visitation. So we tracked, you know, what we call clicks to bricks, you know, on mobile to to footfall. And we saw a 16% increase in shopping cart transactions as well. So not only met that physical challenge for them as a brand, but, you know, increased footfall, you know, sales, you know, through innovation. And then we scaled it through our technology. So if you're going to do something as cool as that, you want it to go out to the the millions. And that's where Yahoo DSP came in. And, you know, and that's how we extend and get the reach. And beyond our own, you know, own assets, we extend that out to you know, third party into the wider world. And that's where we talk about the, you know, being agnostic and being able to deliver beyond our Got own, it. you know, networking gardens. Really interesting. I'm going to come back to a couple of points. Officeworks, what have you been doing there? Because there's another project, right? Yeah, so they were our kind of our first AR partner in this market last year. So, you know, Officeworks, we're trying to deliver Australians a great Christmas experience. And in our COVID world, it wasn't going to be one. So how do we deliver Santa into homes without being able to go to the local shopping centre and get that gorgeous Santa photo with your kids and family? So we created this AR Santa. Um, again, people could pop Santa in their homes through the QR code and through, um, through their mobile and take photos with the family and then, you know, share that. That was an incredible experience, great idea, extended out to our network. But it's been so successful for us as a partnership and for Officeworks that they're doing it again this year. So next iteration of Santa AR is live right now. So Paul Sigalov's not having Christmas off then, he's working. (laughs) (laughs) The beard's gone. Absolutely. In the virtual world, we never stop. Yes, that's right. Have you got any numbers around that ratio, the take-up, the use? Can we talk to any of the numbers? I haven't got them on me, Maka, but suffice to say, they're back again this year. So they're happy and the, you know, the partnership's been really well received. Again, it's not only delivering that personalization for the brand, but it is delivering, you know, commercial results. And there is a, a you know, a back to store activation within that campaign as well. So we will see some, some results off the back of that. Can I just get it to clear up? So you answered half my question, which is you've got your creative studio building this stuff, but then how does it connect back into the other things that Yahoo does? And you talked about pushing it to the open web more and so forth. Is that typical what happens or is it sometimes just the studio and not the rest of the portfolio or is it always integrated somehow? No, I think it is end-to-end for us. That is, you know, our USP as a business. We talk about culture and code. So obviously culture being, you know, the, the content that we own and our amazing brands being able to tell stories to the world. And then we talk about our code, so delivering that and amplifying that out to the millions beyond our own network. And therefore clients come to us to create these amazing ideas and partnerships. But the benefit is we can push that out beyond, you know, our own community or content into the world beyond and also, you know, in terms of that content to the likes of Big W and Officeworks 
they can use those assets as well. So we don't, uh, again, we don't keep them within our own thing. We, we offer them to, to use on their own sort of e-com and, and other assets that they they feel they want to extend to. So, you know, not keeping anything to ourselves, I guess, is mm. the word, trying to, to, trying to be community. So those two case studies are good ones. Is that building for next year? Are you seeing more brand agency interest in these sorts of executions and programs? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mentioned before, off the back of our new fronts, that's been one of the the highest area of interest off the back of those sessions. We're already delivering quite a few, we call them culture and code sessions out to market where we meet with the agencies and we, we talk through their marketing challenges and then we solve that through our technology and our innovation. So we get creative studios together with our data guys and potentially, potentially our platform right. people all in a room and solve that problem end to end. But yes, definitely um, there's a lot more interest and because they're seeing it provide performance and actual results, I think you'll see a lot more from us in, uh, in 2022. And the appetite clearly, that I think I mentioned somewhere that um, Australians are really into this stuff, right? So the highest likability or usage in the world, what's going on there? We are pioneers. I think we just try to, I mean, my take is we're quite an entrepreneurial market. We're small and nimble. We like to try new stuff. We are a template, um, you know, for the for the world in many occasions in terms of startups mm. and so forth. So I think there's that test and learn and that um, that agility and, and wanting to take risks and be pioneers in our DNA in this industry. So we talked around the metaverse and, you know, we didn't reference Mr Zuckerberg and Facebook making it good for all of us, but I might be slightly tongue-in-cheek there. But um, when we talk about the metaverse, then you guys talk about sort of community gardens versus walled gardens. Paul, what do you mean by that? Can you shed some light yeah absolutely well as you know there's been a lot of focus on wall gardens and the closed nature of their ecosystems and whilst we appreciate wall gardens will continue to play a role for marketers and their media strategies there are some inherent challenges for example some of the opaqueness around performance and ad tech fees is a good example of that so really at yahoo it's about a very different approach and i'll touch on this word flexibility and collaboration. And it, that really is at the heart of everything we do. So that flows across our technology and, and data and some of the examples that Rach just touched on. It flows across our data and the inventory that we work with. So again, it's not just our own inventory, it's other publisher inventory, it's our technology, it's other people's technology. And I think that's really an important kind of point to make. So rather than thinking of it as a wall garden, the richness of that ecosystem is what we really refer to as that community garden. And I suppose what's so great about it is that it creates a sustainable value for consumers and businesses. So let me kind of put that to, to the test. Community gardens really are a win-win-win. So if you're an advertiser, you win because you can continue to effectively and efficiently connect with the desired target audience in a cookie-less or ID-less world. If you're a publisher, you're winning because you can manage and monetize your own audiences and your inventory, and you can support your business with future advertising and consumer experiences. And if you're a consumer, you're winning because actually you can enjoy that valuable content that you love for free. It's ad supported, but actually you're getting a more personalized experience across that content and across those ads. So, you know, that's the, the beauty of that. And ultimately, it's a, about a sustainable approach and, and really building that ecosystem. And so does the market recognise that yet? Do they see what you're trying to do there with the open, sort of almost openness and flexibility? Do they get it? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's been front and centre as part of the new fronts. And as people work for us, we kind of recognise where we sit within the ecosystem and, and also where others are. And 
one size doesn't fit all. You know, when you're looking at a world that's evolving so rapidly, um, how do you have sort of appreciation and recognition for where everybody is on their different life cycle stage? And what are the things you can do armed with their current challenges to help them solve their business um, objectives? And that's really, you know, the important place for us and where we how we view that world. Just explain to me in a consumer or user context, how does a community garden appear to them to be different or how is it different than, say, a walled garden? They wouldn't recognise it as just essentially what you're doing behind the scenes or do they see, what do they see? Absolutely. They would see a better consumer experience, so more relevant content, more relevant advertising, a seamless experience across all of the different things that they do across the web, whether it's email, whether it's searching, whether it's watching video, consuming content. And again, all the advertising that they're watching and consuming along the way. So it's just about for them having a heightened experience and not paying for that service. Got it. Testament to Yahoo doing at least something right in the Australian market, Paul Sigaloff, is that you know it sits in the top 20 great places to work. That's a good result. But how are you tracking with the current talent crisis? Because everyone's facing it and it's really tough. So why are you so good and how are you managing this whole area? Everyone's poaching everyone. There's not enough people. Look, let's just touch on great places to work. I think really it's not that we've changed a lot of what we're doing. We've just entered and, uh, you know, we've basically showcased a lot of that. So last year we was our first year in great place to work. We were 84. We're now in the top 20. So clearly we've made some really positive inroads around that. But I think a lot of that is, you know, having a purpose driven business and really putting people at the front and center of everything we do. Our philosophy is around advertising for good. So it's not some kind of airy philosophy, but it's the way we approach the world at Yahoo and it's how we show up every day as a company. And I'm super passionate at having a positive impact on the world, society and people. I'm so proud and energized to see how everyone at Yahoo is getting behind this. So ultimately, we all live in the world and use its resources. Quite simply, we want to leave planet Earth in a better shape than we found it. And the golden thread that runs through our business is being human and helpful. So we're looking to solve that across three key areas. First up is we're a digital business. So digital inclusion is really important for us to think that, you know, there's still large pockets of Australia that don't have access to digital products. It's scary. And so we work with businesses like Inco and Generation to solve for that. We work on climate protection. So that's not just reducing our CO2 footprint, but also initiatives like Take Three from the Sea and the harmful effects of plastics. And how do we clean up beaches and also human prosperity is a really important part and if you look at our partner with musicians making a difference we've been working with them for over sort of three to four years on helping disadvantaged youth through music and mentorship and i think that the way that we brought this to life mac is we call it the weave so that is you know it doesn't just sit in a csr bucket that lives within hr it's woven into every facet of our business whether it's our editorial team and what they're focusing on from their DEIMB, shining a light on minority groups, telling those stories that need to be told, even simply with things like Yahoo Finance, making it more female and younger, things like Yahoo Sports. Obviously, we have the Olympics this year, but we really focused on Mind Games, which is all about the mental health of elite athletes and telling those stories. Can I ask on just on that stuff? It's really interesting. So you talk in a content and editorial context and sort of conceptually you're committed to that. How does it land with the audience? Does that content actually land or is it a long-term play to build awareness or does the audience resonating with that stuff now? Yeah, look, there are some great stories that need to be told and I think it's about the angle. 
So again, Mind Games is a great example of that. You know, everyone, we were in the middle of lockdown, we were watching Olympics and feasting on that content. And it was a really welcome respite. But actually the stories around all of those things when a lot of people were suffering with their own personal mental health challenges and battles really landed well. So I've got to really call out Ewan Black, our editor-in-chief for Australia, and, and Simon, who runs all the editorial teams. They've done a phenomenal job in terms of finding those angles and, and really getting that content that's landing. I'm sorry, I digress, but you're talking more about the broader purpose initiatives that you're committed to and doing. Yeah, so data, we touched on data, but I think it's also about the responsible use of data. So that's not just being CCPA and GDPR compliant, but it's actually also about how do we connect and protect marketers and advertisers through our next gen and our Connect ID solutions that I talked about. And, you know, I might throw it a rage because we're doing some amazing stuff for the industry uh, through some of the programs we're running like Yahoo Academy and our connected partnerships. So, Rach, do you want to add some colour? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of, and talking about all these, you know, industry challenges before around cookie-less world and so forth, I think one of the things we're trying to do is the education piece. So, you know, we have our roadmap and our set for the future, but it's about bringing clients and agencies on the way, you know, along the along the way with us and, and educating. So we do invest a lot of time and resource into educating the market and a lot of thought leadership sessions and so forth. In terms of Yahoo Academy, that is when we bring 40 sort of leader-nominated rising stars of the industry together in the academy for a number of weeks and we give them a sort of an experience which is, um, you know, thought leadership sessions, mentor and developing and training and that sort of thing and that ends in a in a pitch-off um, right at the end of the academy in groups where young, talented people get together, a pitch-off and win a, what was a trip to New York, which is a little bit more yes, local, right. localised. Now it's going to be an augmented reality trip now, is it? <laughs> They'll be in the meta in a couple of years' time. Yes. Um, <laughs> Then we have, so the you know, Yahoo Academy goes down well with the industry. We have been running the Academy for many years now and just obviously updated, you know, the format of it, particularly for COVID. Mm. So last year, talking about the sort of human helpful approach that we have to everything we do, normally that Academy is inclusive to the 40 industry, you know, stars. But the last couple of years, we've actually opened it up to the industry. So, you know, COVID was not a time to be exclusive. We wanted right. all in. So we opened out a lot of the sessions to the broader industry and did webinars and, you know, that was awesome because we, we could not only, during a time where pe- people needed it, it wasn't all about product. It was about, you know, dealing with the, the world we were currently in. And then we also gave the 40, you know, young stars their own experiences within that. We also do Decoded Webinar, which is basically, a, you know, a number of webinars we do across the year on certain topics, whether it be cookie-less world or whether it be around, you know, immersive and innovation, the future of so we invest a lot of time and resource in those. We do about three or, you know, four or five of those a year with international guest speakers. So that's been a really well-received series. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but, you know, had great audiences over the last couple of years, but again, out to the industry. So just on the purpose stuff, you know, there's a lot of talk. I mean, Paul talked about it earlier. There's at least good rhetoric out there around purpose. Are advertisers trying to align themselves to more of this stuff? Are you seeing those conversations or having those conversations? Absolutely. We're seeing it from brands, you know, local and global. We're hearing that brands are wanting to align with purposeful organisations. We're also hearing that through, you know, through our partner agencies in terms of wanting to work with and align with partners that, um, you know, are doing good work, not only in terms of performance for clients and delivering on what we need to, 
but what is the broader business doing across, you know, um, mm. CSR and DNI and, you know, climate and various others. So, you know, what once was, you know, 10, 10 years ago, you know, hardcore negotiation and, and dance with heads of trading and agencies. Right. It's a very different experience now. We sit with, a you know, a collective group of, of people who have all these needs and we form what we call a connected partnership with them. So there is that trading commercial element that, you know, we need to do. That's kind of hygiene factor. But it's all the other elements of the partnership that they're now wanting. So we bring that to the table. And So really, are you saying that traders and investment teams are actually incorporating some of that broader, softer, important societal stuff into their negotiations? That's actually happening? That's actually happening, yeah. yeah and it's amazing. <laughs> it's, uh, wow. Yeah, it's actually the evolution of our industry in an incredible way. It's, it's, it's a movement and it's... Um, it's been bubbling away, but it's 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 real now, and and I think. But wait, I've got to have another question there. So, what happens in the negotiations? Do you do the deal and the price, and then they talk stuff, or is it really at the same time they're saying we want to do a deal here, and here's the buy, here's the deal, and here's the commitment, but it's going to have all this other stuff. They're, they're side by side. Yeah, they're doing that. Yeah. In our experience, it's coming all together as a wow. as a truly you know cohesive and you know what are their brands? And I'm sure that pressure is coming from their brands as well. So, mm. um, as I said, it, it's great, and you know for us. As a business, it's great for, you know, attracting and retaining talent because our teams want to work with companies that are focusing on those areas, not just the the cash at the end of the day. It's sustainability through these different initiatives that we work on together. That's what they're leaning into. And I think it's just wonderful for our industry. Paul, you've been at the cut and thrust of negotiations for let's just say, maybe a decade. When did you see the shift in that? What did you note? When did you start to see something change? Because that's really different to what historically has happened in negotiations. I think, you know, people were interested and they were kind of leaning into what we were doing because our first phase was actually, let's start solving this for our business and our people. And by virtue of what we're doing, we were amplifying that out across socials and, and, you know, actually solving for some of these challenges where there was philosophical alignment so they're like hey great example of that could be uh on the group with our reconciliation action plan they're really involved with reconciliation action plan and nadot week was coming along so it was kind of a hey you guys are doing some re- really interesting stuff can we have a chat and we did and off the back of that we co-created an event across both of our businesses we used our ar and vr technology to start to you know tell some of those stories differently we constructed a panel with some amazing speakers in and through listening and learning we educated ourselves and our people and we're really trying to kind of move forward with that so i think it feels very authentic and people are very you know they care passionately about it and and where there's good philosophical overlap it's nice that we can collaborate in areas outside of you know the transactional nature of our business to solve Mm. these things and i think you know, society wins, but certainly to the points Rach has made, there's a lot of advertisers that that's really important to and also want to jump on board and help. So if we can expedite and solve for some of these challenges with more support and investment and awareness and volunteerism through all of those different things, that for me is really incredibly strong. And, and, and you think it will hold? You think it will hold? This is not a novelty little phase where sometimes not. our industry no. does this, right? The industry does do this. This is, this is something that's going to go longer term. It feels very real, very authentic, and the conversations we're having are not thin. We're talking about programs of work that are multi-years and how do we actually get involved together. And that, for me, that longevity and sustainability is kind of really exciting. And 
And, you know, the market's seeing that. I mean, uh, Rachel's too humble to say that, but we've got our Media Eye results awards tonight and we're up for 10 awards. So going back to internal sentiment, that's high. But talking about customer sentiment, you know, it's great to see that not only are people, you know, seeing what we're doing, but they're appreciating it and they're, and they're voting. So um, that for me is a real a kind of strong indictment of that. Well, obviously, when this podcast is published, we'll know the results. So we could say yay and just think that maybe something happens or not. <laughs> We're about to find out. Well, we'll know by the time it's out. So to wrap this up, really interesting conversation, some genuinely interesting things going on in the industry, which is heartening. To wrap it up, Paul and Rachel, what are your each of your key watchouts uh, for brands and agencies for next year? A little bit more buoyancy or a lot more buoyancy and optimism in the market. I guess we might be coming through some troubling times, but your watchouts, Paul. I'm really excited about 2022. Hopefully it'll be a year without lockdowns and we'll continue to tackle some of the big topics and listen to our people's needs when we're crafting our approach to the future of work. It's also keeping close to those consumer megatrends. Obviously, e-commerce is growing exponentially. That's going to continue. Also, how new technologies are positively disrupting sectors and can solve and bring in new opportunities. But really, as I said earlier in the podcast, you know, Yahoo has got a particular moment in time. We've got amazing asset base. We've got phenomenal team and tremendous business momentum. So it's really about unlocking the full potential of our rich ecosystem to continue to help solve clients' business objectives and doing that in a really human and helpful way. Right, Chalk, your um, key thoughts for 2022? Yeah, 2022. So I think uh, let's move on and learn from the challenges of the last couple of years. I think by finding the right work and collaboration balance and the right life balance as well. Um, Our talent, let's nurture them and let's build sustainable careers for them. And from the Yahoo point of view, we really will continue to put people first, continue to work hard for and with our partners through our human helpful approach. And we'll ensure that we always have a focus on advertising for good. Well, Paul Sigaloff, Rachel Page, um, a fascinating conversation in that I know way more about Yahoo than I did before. And there's some really, really interesting initiatives going on. That's very, very heartening for the industry. So thanks for joining. Stay safe and good luck with your awards tonight. You too. Thanks, Mecca. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.